0: All right, brother. I'm going to let you sit down before we get started here. So I used to think it was Italian ice, too. Then I went to Italy. And as you can imagine, they don't call it Italian ice, but they certainly don't call it water ice. All right, I just got to say, brother, you in Jersey now. So in Italy, we call it granita. And Sicily has the best granita, by the way. So that's just, I'm just busting on you there. Uh, Before we get into our time in the Word, um, I do want to just bring up uh, prayer requests for us. I'm sure uh, you all pray for us, and I have a specific prayer request. Um, Besides our mentoring of the staff there, which Mayor and I both uh, do, um, besides I get opportunities to preach and teach and uh, work with uh, the men's group, and Mayor will be with the women's group as they start up in the fall, one big thing for me from the very beginning is uh, relational evangelism. I just want to be a part of the community, of the town, get to know some folks who don't know Jesus and be able to share his love. Well, uh, right before I came here, literally a few days before the flight, this gentleman strikes up a conversation with me at the grocery store and I'm kind of like looking around like, are you talking to me? And, um, you know, I don't know how he got to it, but he's like, I'm a musician. And I said, I'm one too. And this is all in in my best Italian that I could do, by the way. And then, so he noticed right away, he goes, wait, you're not from here. I said, no, no. (laughs) I said, Pero habita qui, vivo qui in Baranisi. I live here. And he's like, oh. And he goes, what, you have much more shopping to do? And I'm like, well, just a little bit more. He goes, well, I'll wait for you outside. Okay. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of too much movies, so that kind of was scary. But sure enough, he was waiting for me right outside the door. And um, he goes, why don't you come to my house? I'll show you my house. Right? This is definitely a script for a movie, right? So I have my grocery store, uh, my my grocery bags, and I walk into this apartment, I go into this small elevator, he takes me into his little apartment, and um, I won't tell you the whole story right now, but let's just say he is a very lonely, hurting guy, and you could tell he's just meeting somebody at the store for the first time and really needs connection. And he's been, we, shared, we swapped um, phone numbers through WhatsApp, and he's been texting me since I've been here in America, so we can get together and jam musically. But will you pray for me, uh, pray for him, his name is Giuseppe, and pray that this would be a great opportunity for gospel conversations. Um, I love to play music with people, but I sure hope that the, the melody of the gospel would uh, come alive in his heart. So his name is Giuseppe, uh, please pray for him, okay? All right. We're going to pray and then I'm going to ask you all a question, then we're going to dig right into the word. Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning. We need your spirit who lives in all those who trust in Jesus, all those whom you have chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in your sight. Please, Holy Spirit, you are the one who authored your word, and we pray that you would speak through what you've already spoken to our hearts this morning, that we would be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. This is our prayer, our heart's cry. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know, is there anybody here that still takes notes? Okay, some of you, that's good to hear. Um, and if you don't have a pen and a pencil, some of it, I'm, I know most of you have smartphones. You can go to the, uh, the app, what is it, Notes, and you could write your answer there. So I have one question. Very simple one. And I want you to write whatever comes to your mind first. Don't think too deeply. You know, Just right away, I want you to write this down or at least note it mentally, which is a little harder for us as we get older to do. That's why it's good to write down. But I want you to write down the answer to this question. Right? Here it goes. Ready? Why did Jesus die? Let's go. I'll give you a couple seconds. While you're writing that down, take your time. Um You remember that game show? Some of us might remember that game show, Family Feud. Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. You've heard of that? Please, somebody. Okay, good. You remember they would survey people? They give them a question. There's a certain amount of people, and then the top eight answers of of um, um, for that would answer the question. Well, think of it this way. there's a gradation until you get to the number one answer. And so everybody shout out some of the answers that you wrote down. Why did Jesus die? Nice and loud. For our sins. For our sins. To redeem a people. Redeem a people. Listen, we're going to stop there because that's survey says ding! Da-da-da. Number one answer. Can I get an amen? He died our sins and what I want to do this morning is I want to help you so that if you get that family feud you know how you say do you want to play or you want to pass you're going to say we want to play we want to play because that is only one answer to that question that the Bible gives us did you know the Bible gives us many answers to the question why did Jesus die it's like a many faceted diamond And the thing is, each facet gives us deep spiritual nourishment. And I'm going to mention a few of the reasons that Jesus died, the Bible tells us, uh, just to get us going, to prime the pump, before I focus on the main one, and we will read the text in a moment. Let's take a look at the first one. First reason I want to point out is 1 Thessalonians 5.10. Paul says this, He died for us so that, here's the reason, whether we are awake or asleep we may live together with him so listen he died for us for for those who believe in him that whether we go and leave this life which is an appointment we all have to keep that's the one we ain't going to be late to should Jesus tarry we will be with him in paradise can I get an amen he died so we can go to glory But he died so that even before that, we can have fellowship with him here and now. That's another beautiful thing. All right, Ephesians 2.14. This is one we don't often think about. We find there in that text that Jesus died to destroy the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility that separated Jew and Gentile. In other words, he died to reconcile Jew and Gentile and all other races through his blood. So in other words, he didn't just die to reconcile us this way, right? But also this way. To give us peace with one another. No matter what culture, no matter what race, no matter socioeconomic group. He died so we would be one body. It's one of the reasons, the very reasons, Jesus gave his life up. This is one uh, we don't talk about much either, but I love this one. And the older I get, the more I appreciate it more. Hebrews 2.14 says this. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, here's the reason, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He died to destroy the devil. Isn't that awesome? But even more so, he died so that we wouldn't be in slavery to fear of death. He freed us. We don't have to be afraid of the last enemy because it doesn't get the last word. (laughs) Because three days later, Jesus said to death, is that all you got? And he promised all his people that they would be with him where he is. You can say amen anytime you want. I know it's a little early this morning. This list can be multiplied, and I don't want to do that to you too much this morning. But what I will say is this is a great thing to do to go home in your quiet time, look through the scriptures, and ask the question, why did Jesus die? Let's see the different reasons. And that will be so edifying and strengthening to your soul. But we're going to park on one this morning. We're going to take a little bit of time on it. And that's for uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15. And in 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul gives us this literally life-altering reason. That Jesus died. He says this. And he died for all. Here comes the purpose. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them. And was raised again. Back in the 80's when I first got saved. Dating myself a little bit. There was this stupid, and I mean stupid, controversy. You know, can you receive Jesus as Savior and then later receive Him as Lord? Remember that, some of us? It was ridiculous. He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we see in this text, Jesus didn't die for us simply and only to give us a place in heaven after we die and then leave us exactly the way He found us. That's not salvation. No, Jesus died for us and rose again so that, look at the text, we should no longer live for ourselves but for him who died for us and was raised again. Listen, another way of putting it is this way. Jesus came to completely change the orientation of your life. To turn you away from being self-centered to being Christ-centered. To cause you to stop living for yourself and to live for him. Listen, what Jesus did when he saved you, I hope most, if not all of us here know Jesus this morning. What he did when he brought you home is that he gave you a Copernicus revolution. You know what that is? First of all, I just love saying Copernicus. Isn't that a cool name? Sorry, anyway. um, Copernicus was that old guy who uh, studied the stars, and then he came out and told the world, hey, uh, I got something to tell you. We've been wrong for a very long time. The earth isn't in the middle with the sun and all the planets revolving around us. But guess what? The sun is in the middle. And then the earth and all the other planets revolve around what? The sun. Well, before we knew Jesus, it was all about us. Right? We were in the middle. Everybody, Listen, even, even God existed for us. But when you came to know Jesus, everything got stood on its head, or I should say was turned the right way up, and we realized that the world doesn't revolve around us, the universe. It revolves around the Son, S-O-N, the Son of God. And our whole lives were transformed because we realized that now we have a much bigger purpose to live for than building our little puny kingdoms and following our own selfish, sinful desires. No, we have become a part of God's family, of His kingdom, and that's the kingdom that has no end. That's the kingdom that's eternal. We experience that joy of realizing the real purpose for why God created us and then recreated us in Christ Jesus. So what's the cry of the believer's heart this morning um, even as imperfect and as failing as we are, our heart's cry is what? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see Jesus believed on in the world. We want to see him worshiped. We want to see him adored. We want his name to be great. Who cares about our name? Can I get an amen? the neat thing is, Jesus did not die just for Navy SEAL or Green Beret Christians. He died for normal people like me, like you. Foot soldiers. This is what we're going to see in the text. And we're going to see it from different directions. Usually there's an outline in my sermons. Really, it's just one sentence that we're going to look at from a few different ways. And that'll be it for this morning. But we're going to see this, that Jesus died for you so that the driving force in your life would no longer be to live for yourself, but to live for him. That's a little hard to remember, so let me just put it this way. Jesus died for you so you would live for him. Let's say this, this way this way together. He died for me that I might live for him. All right, so you're going to do good in, in Family Feud if you, if you take that we're going to play so let's take a look as we look at this look at verse 15 again Um, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves now here's a question and even in a reformed church this could be hard for us sometimes to grasp notice it says and he died for all well who's the all does that mean he died for every single individual that ever lived See, here's the problem if you take that view. It does, that's not an Arminian view. Whoops. It's a universalist view. That view would mean that everybody's going to heaven. Because if Jesus dies for you, it's effective. It's not what Paul's saying here. He's clearly referring to all of God's people, all of Christ's people, his sheep. His elect, his chosen ones, those who believe in Jesus, those who died with him and rose again. Now let me prove it to you from the context. In the context, if you notice, uh, Paul says in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Now listen, who died with Christ? Christ. Did non-believers die with Christ? No. Unfortunately, this is why we share the gospel, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. They're not dead with Christ. They didn't die with Christ. It's not true of the unbelieving. And then also, look clearly in the text, he says that those who live might not, no longer live for themselves. Who are those who live? Look with me in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Those who live are those who have been made alive in Christ. You once were dead, now you're alive. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and he has now made you alive in Christ. You know, we went through that whole thing the butterfly has to go through. You know, that caterpillar, how ugly that thing is at first. And it goes in a cocoon and it goes through all these convulsions. But what happens when it pops out? That thing can fly. That's what God did for us in Christ. So then the reason I bring this up is not to give you a theology lesson. The older I get, the more I'm just not uh, into just simply filling people's heads with theology, even my own. But I want to know, what did he mean by this, right? Because I have to preach the word. Well, notice, this is the import of the word all. Because he's speaking to the Corinthian believers here. In other words, the educated and the uneducated. The rich and the poor. Male and female. Old and young. Black and white and everything in between. Now listen, in the church of Corinth, you had a great diversity of peoples, right? Slave, free, Greek. But here's the other thing. You also had a lot of dysfunction and and, and a lot of divisions in the church at Corinth. You know, those people who say, oh, I wish we could go back to the early church. What early church are you talking about? Because they had some issues. No. What he's telling the Corinthians, what he's telling us is that Jesus died for all. Look around at your brothers and sisters in Christ as different as they are. You know, one follows Apollos, the other one follows Peter. Remember that? Jesus died for all. So what about if someone isn't in Christ this morning? Or someone who was reading this? There is a word that Paul gives to those who are not yet alive in Christ. It's in verse 20. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look, Jesus' people do what? They receive him by faith. They repent. They believe the good news. And here, I think this is super important. People often, and even Christians sometimes fall into this uh, error. They often think uh, following Christ, being a Christian, um, is being repressed. It's being stifled. It's to live a life of restriction. But the truth is, Bob Dylan had it right on this one. You've got to serve somebody. It could be the devil, or it could be the Lord. But you still got to serve somebody. The problem is, before you knew Jesus, and for those who are still not in him, You're going to be enslaved to your own sin, and you're going to be under the dominion of the devil. And here's the thing, sin is a harsh master, and it leads you to a grim end. It's called spiritual death. The other option is you can serve the one who died and rose again, Jesus Christ, who invites all with these liberating words, before it's too late, as long as it's called today, this is the invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then listen to this. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Sin can never say that to you because it's pleasurable for a season, and then you got to pay the piper. So he died for all of those who are alive in him. And why did he die? And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time on. Notice what he says in the text. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Charles Kingsley once uh, wrote this. He said, if you want to be miserable... Think much about yourself, about what you want, about what you like, what respect people ought to pay you, and what people think of you. That's a misery, isn't it? Well, Jesus died, my brothers and sisters, to save us from that. Martin Luther defined sin in a way that I'd never heard anybody else define it, but man, he hits the nail on the head. He said sin is is a curving in on oneself. Isn't that true? One illustration that I thought of as I was preparing this message goes all the way back to Genesis when God first created man. God created man and woman in his own image to glorify him, to delight in him, to have some sweet communion with him and with each other, to reflect his glory, his beauty, his attributes, and have dominion over the entire creation as his representatives. And listen to how good God is. You can have every, all the fruit of all the trees. And believe me, in Italy they have these white nectarines. And I you know, Oh, phew. You can have the fruit on all the trees. There's just one you can't eat from. That's a gracious, generous, good, liberating God, is it not? But we know what happened. Man made a mess of the whole thing, didn't he? He blew it. By falling for what? Listen, this is important, for the devil's lies. You may remember one of his lies was to call God's goodness into question. Remember the serpent said, "Now nah, listen, God just knows when you eat of it, you're going to be like him. And God doesn't want that. In other words, God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be fulfilled. He doesn't want you to be satisfied. He's a restrictive God. He's withholding the good that you could have if you just step over the line. Why do I bring that up? Because in one sense, my brothers and sisters, isn't that what we all fall for when we give in to sin and selfishness? Listen, think about it. I know God says this is wrong, but I need this to be fulfilled. Hello? I need this to be happy, to have true life. God's preventing me from reaching my true potential. See, something incredible happened when God himself came into the world and was mistreated and was scorned. And was rejected and literally crucified by the very people he came to give his life for. Remember the consequences God said would happen? If they ate of the the tree, they would what? Surely die. And that was certainly, physical death was included in that. But unfortunately, uh, it's worse than that. There's a more chilling type of death that our sin leads to it's called spiritual death but the bible calls it something else the bible calls it the second death and that's the death we want to avoid and here's the thing god became one of us to take that spiritual death to himself so that we would not have to take that death that we could be brought back to god and live with him for eternity if you want to know where that happened, it was when he was on that cross. And you may remember these words he quoted from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, the one, you've heard this before, but I, I, I could hear it a million times and still want to hear it more. The one who had perfect fellowship with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity passed They didn't need anybody or anything. They were eternally blessed and happy. That one left glory and had to hear, had to experience the most chilling thing that we pray none of us in this room will ever have to experience. Depart from me. He took that for us. He was forsaken by the Father. In our place. One of the reasons he did that, Paul is saying, is so that we could be freed from the bondage of living for ourselves. And so that we could be set free to live for him, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. The one who created us for his glory so that we can have abundant life. How does this work? How does this operate in everyday life? The cross of Christ is a daily reminder, Paul is telling us here, that God indeed is good and he's not withholding anything good from us. He's not making arbitrary rules for us to keep to, in order to keep us from being happy. On the contrary, he tasted death and hell so that we could taste life and heaven. Tim Keller, in his book Reasons for God, Reason for God, The Reason for God, writes this. Listen, this is powerful. If we ask the question, why does God allow evil and suffering to continue? And we look at the cross of Jesus, we still don't know what the answer is. However, we know what the answer isn't. It can't be that He doesn't love us, it can't be that He's indifferent or detached from our condition. God takes our misery and suffering so seriously that he was willing to take it on himself that's our God you think that God is withholding from you (laughs) he gave his all he gave himself does God really have your best interest in mind well listen you know we say God is good all the time All the time, God is good. Well, you know what the exclamation point at the end of that sentence is? The cross. That's why we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who rose again. We know, listen, we know of all people, because every once in a while we actually walk in this way, his will is good. Taste and see the Lord is good. His way is right. And his word is true. It's pure. It brings joy. Now I know there's this old illustration. I, I'm pretty sure it's not historical. It's what we call apocryphal, but it still makes this point so well. Lincoln is told about President Lincoln that he went to a slave block where a young lady was being sold for auction, and he bought her. And as they, they were walking along, he said to her, young lady, you're free. She said, wait, what does that mean? He says, it means you're free. So she said, does that mean that I can say whatever I want to say? And Lincoln said, yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean, she said, that I can be whatever I want to be? And Lincoln said, yes, you can be whatever you want to be does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? And he said, yes, you can go wherever you want to go. And the girl with tears in her eyes said, then I'll go with you. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He bought us with his own blood. And the gospel has the power to do something that nothing else, not the law, nothing else has the power to do it can change our ought to into want to. And that's why Luther said, we begin again every day with the gospel. We got to preach the gospel to ourselves. Here's the key. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was, and was raised again. We serve him now out of a heart of gratitude and love for his dying and raising from the dead for us, for his atoning sacrifice, because he is our Savior and Lord, and he has our best interests at mind. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't always believe that about my father, my earthly father. I got to tell you the truth. Bricklayer, old school, Italian-American guy, come home filled with cement, hands all swollen from working all day but I didn't really appreciate it back then constantly we would have steak or something like that we got the best pieces and when there wasn't enough I literally would see him sneaking a sandwich later on so that we could eat that was my dad and when I was young and stupid I didn't appreciate it of course then you have kids and it's as I get older Then I look back, and of course, there's a lot of regret, but there's deep appreciation. Because it's on his back. You know, literally, one time I was five years old, and I was crabbing in Bayhead, New Jersey. And I was five, and I saw a little angelfish. To this day, nobody believes me. But I did. It was this weird-looking fish. So I went to get it with the net, and I went in. It was all a blur to me. They told me later what happened. My dad dove in to get me. And I literally, to get out, pushed his head under the water. So that I could get out of the water. As I think of my life now, I certainly want to do things that honor him. And that make his name look good, not bad. But he's gone, he's not with us. But there's a beautiful thing here in this text I haven't mentioned much up till now. been talking a lot about his death. But notice what it says about Jesus. He died and what? Was raised again. So he lives to tell about it. And that means, sometimes we say, yeah, I know what to do, but that doesn't help me. I, it doesn't mean I, I can do it. No, that's the point. He lives. He can help you. Even now he intercedes. Because he's alive for you. Even now he uses that beautiful gospel to keep transforming your heart and life so that more and more you want to do what he wants you to do. Listen, I'm coming to a close. I came all the way to, from Italy to here so just give me a couple more moments um, to tell you a few more things as we come to a close here. There's a great uh, passage in Colossians 1.16 Excuse me. This is another uh, verse that, when I first read it, was very striking, and it still is to this day. We all know that we were created by Jesus, but Colossians 1.16 says this. All things were created by him and for him. Did you know that you were created for Jesus? Huh. You know, all this time, I thought he existed for me. No. God made you. Jesus made you so that you would glorify him, that you would enjoy him, that you would bring him honor, that your life would be a testimony of his grace, that you would be a trophy of his grace. Because look, I look out there, hey, these people wouldn't have made it without Jesus. The whole world's going to look at you and say, man, Jesus is good because I know this crew. And of course it begs the question as we come to a close. Are you living for Jesus this morning or are you living for yourself? Are you mostly concerned with his glory or your own glory? Are you interested in your own business or his business? Are you engrossed in building your own little kingdom? Having your own comforts and life just the way you want it or is your heart's desire to see his kingdom furthered. His will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. When I first came to know the Lord here uh, I got a little little bit of flack because you know when you're a brand new Christian man you're on fire. and A lot of times I was considered the F word, a different F word a fanatic. But I like what uh, George Verner once said, he said this, a fanatic is a person who loves Jesus more than you do. <laughs> Isn't that good? Because now I look at some new, new, uh, newly saved people and I'm like, wow, man, they should tone it down a bit. And then I'm like, oh, I see. Why, why am I looking at them like they're a fanatic? Because right now they're loving Jesus more than I am. Next time someone asks you why Jesus died, you could say, he died so I could be justified. It rhymes in English. He died so I could be glorified. That rhymes in English too. This one doesn't rhyme, but you want to keep this one. Next time, say, he died for me, that I might live for him. Can I get an amen, church? Let's pray. Father, how we thank you that in the gospel, you give what you command, that in the gospel, you enable us to more and more put sin to death and to live under righteousness. Even more than that, Lord Jesus, in the gospel, you win our hearts back to yourself, the one who bought us with his own blood and now lives to tell about it. Lord, please don't let us go on with our lives. You know, as usual, when we leave this place this morning. But may we more and more and more seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. And help us more and more to live lives of love. Just the way you loved us and gave yourself up for us. Jesus, do this for us, not for our own glory, but for yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.